listen to this. I love this. We're in this world not to be a betters of its system, but ambassadors to its conscience. That's what we're called to do. Not to be of it, but in it, speaking truth to it. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. One of the great enemies of the believer in Jesus Christ is the lure of the world. But good news, God has given us the victory. Hi everybody, welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thanks for joining us this time. Today we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, taken from the Song of Solomon. In today's message entitled, The Hour of Talk, we're going to see the world in all of its pomp, power, prosperity, and popularity. Solomon is on his way back to Jerusalem. The streets of the city are lined with cheering subjects. In this hour of talk, we see an outward show and an inward sham. This is the prison to which the Shulamite had been taken, but she resists it, and so should we. We are in this world not to be abettors of its system, but ambassadors to its conscience. Well, I can't wait to share this stirring word with you, so let's go right to the message, an hour of talk. Last time we noted that the Shulamite had experienced a hindered love and a hungry love as it related to the shepherd. Now, quickly, the main characters in this story are the shepherd, who is a picture of Christ Jesus. Then there is the Shulamite, who is a picture of the church or the individual believer. All right? So the Shulamite is the church. The shepherd is Christ. Solomon in the story is the tempter. No way he's Christ-like. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you this in this teaching tonight. We're going to see there's no way that Solomon could be a type of Christ in this story. Then there is the court women. The court women are pictures of the citizens of this world who love Solomon, who represents king of the world, and have no desire for the shepherd and don't understand the Shulamite's love for the shepherd. So the court women represent the world, and they're always trying to lure the Shulamite away from the shepherd and into the arms of Solomon, and she resists it every time. Now, last time, we noted that the Shulamite had experienced a hindered love, all kinds of things got in her way, contesting her affection for the shepherd, and she had a hungry love as it related to the shepherd. She was longing for the shepherd. Now we close with the Shulamite having had a dream of the shepherd. When she awoke, she literally went on a search for him through the streets. Now God overruled the whole mistaken expedition, and the journey ended with this verse, chapter 3, verse 3, the watchmen found her wandering around in the streets. The watchmen that go about the city found me, she testifies, to whom I said, Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Now, she looked a little bit batty right about here to these watchmen. What are you doing wandering the dark streets at night alone, a beautiful woman, talking about asking us if we've seen some shepherd? 
she was, her dream had been so real to her that when she woke up and it wasn't real, it was real enough and vivid enough for her that she went in search of the shepherd into the streets, literally went on a hunt for him. Now, she left the watchman either in the city or at the gate of her house, and next we see that she finds her beloved. Chapter 3, verse 4, she says, Scarcely were the watchmen gone when I found the one my heart loves. Isn't that beautiful? We're not told how or why he happened to be there. We don't have to know. He was there. Just when she needed him the most, there he was after all that vain searching, that dangerous journey she took. She comes back, and there he is. Now, I'm going to tell you something I've noticed about the Lord. I have never seen a genuine seeker that did not finally encounter the Lord. Matter of fact, God loves genuine seekers. Seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be open to you. Ask and it shall be given. Call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things you have not yet known. So here she was seeking for the shepherd. She felt that she had sought for him in vain, but right when she thought it had all been in vain, there he was. And he does the same with you and me. We may go down many detours in life searching many times for what we're not sure of. We just know something's missing and we're on a hunt. And right when we think it's all been in vain, if we are genuinely seeking his truth, he will reveal himself to us. I've never, never seen God turn aside an honest seeker. The Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, read the last four words with me, you will find me. You look for me, you're going to find me. Hallelujah. And I think every day, even though we're saved, we ought to be on the hunt for knowing Jesus more than we knew him the day before. The search and the hunger should never go away. Amen? Now, what does she do when she sees him? She seized him. She grabbed hold of him. She testifies in the last part of verse 4, I held him and I would not let him go until I had brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. Now, first there was the dream with its nightmare qualities. Then the rude awakening. Then came the midnight search through the darkened streets that didn't produce anything but trouble and embarrassment. The embarrassing encounter with the guards. But then there he was. Then there he was. Now remember, he's a picture of Christ, and she's a picture of the church. There he was, and no wonder she wouldn't let him go. She'd been through a lot, and now there he is, really and truly. She reminds us of Mary Magdalene. Remember that story when she found Jesus after his resurrection? She was back there hanging around the empty tomb. Her heart was broken. She said one of the most uh, powerful statements in the Word of God, full of pathos, when she said, they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. So those were Mary's words, and she had flung her arms around him, clinging. Remember that? And Jesus said, let go of me. You can't cling to me this way, but go and tell the disciples you've seen me. And so Mary could have said with the Shulamite, I held him and would not let him go. 
You ever feel that way about Jesus? You know, church, let me tell you something. We are not in a religion of rules and regulations and rule books and playbooks and, and ritual. We are in a relationship of love. You know what Jesus said to one of the churches in Revelation? He said, here's my issue with you, Laodicean church. You have left your first love. See, he notices when our love for him either flows or ebbs. He knows it. So we're not in a religion. We're in a love relationship. And this poem, this Song of Solomon, really displays this reality. We're in a love relationship. She says, I'm in love with this shepherd. I held him and I would not let him go. That's exactly the way we ought to feel about Jesus. We ought to be slap happy in love with the Savior. Paul said, the love of Christ is what is constraining me. We love him because he first loved us. We're in a love relationship, and it ought to grow and increase by the day. Now, when was the last time you felt a surge of emotion like this Shulamite, where you said, I feel so much love for him. Lord, I'm clinging. I do not want to let you go. When was the last time that kind of emotion surged through you? I think the real attack on the church in our day, and I think that this is the Laodicean church age, where we say, I'm rich and have need of nothing, but we don't know that we're miserable, poor, wretched, blind, and naked. We've departed from our first love. Many, many, many denominations that used to be bulwarks for the truth have now completely departed from the Word of God. There is an apostasy happening in the land. Many are losing their first love. Didn't the apostle predict that in 2 Timothy 4? He said, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And so there is a battle over the affection we have for the shepherd in our heart. See, there is a world out there just like those court women in this story. And that world out there is doing everything in the world to lure us away from our love relationship with the shepherd. Because when that love is gone, you're just going through the motions. There is nothing real to it. You go to church robotically. You sing robotically. You open your Bible robotically. There's no emotion behind it, and there ought to be holy passion. That's what this song is about. Now, once again, the Shulamite turns her attention to the court women when she's grabbed hold of the shepherd and won't let go. She turns her attention to the court women and she warns them again. Verse 5, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field. She means I charge you by everything light of foot and fast. Do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. You remember what that means? She's saying, the kind of love that I've got for the shepherd will be consummated in a context. That context will be marriage. And she's saying to these court women, don't even think about trying to stir up passion in me for Solomon. Because you're wasting your time. I'm sold out on the shepherd. I'm committed to the shepherd." He's my Lord. He's my love. He's my all. So don't you dare try to stir up illicit passion in me for your man because I've got my man and it's the shepherd. 
So don't even try to seduce me or lure me or tempt me in any way. It's not going to work. That's what she's saying right there. The court women were all for Solomon and for his agenda. They continuously sought to entice the Shulamite into Solomon's arms. And as she told them in chapter 2, verse 7, she's saying the same thing now. She said this before, same words in chapter 2, verse 7. Don't even try to stir my passions toward another. Now, church, that's the way we need to feel towards our Savior. When the world tries to entice us and tempt us and lure us, our message needs to be the Shulamite's message. Don't even try to stir up illicit passion in me. I want nothing to do with the world or the things in the world. I only want him. You're wasting your time. That's the message. Now, we're going to leave her there. She's embraced the shepherd. She has made her stand. She's told the court women to leave her alone. And in the next verse, the scene and the subject change. We're going to leave her resolutely true to her beloved shepherd, warning those that would lure her away from him. And we as well are going to take our stand with her. Amen? Sold out completely to our great shepherd. Can we just lift our hand towards the Lord just for a minute and say, Lord, I'm sold out to you. Nothing the world has to offer appeals to me. As the Shulamite was committed to the shepherd, I am committed to you. Give him a hand of praise tonight. He's worth it. Amen. Now, this next section is just called an hour of talk. In the hour of talk, we're going to see something. We're going to see Solomon ride into Jerusalem. It kind of reminds you when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, but the personality and the attitude and the spirit are totally opposite and different. But as he rides into town, we're going to see the world in all of its pomp, all of its power, all of its prosperity, and all of its popularity. And Solomon is headed now back to Jerusalem. The streets of the city we see are lined with cheering subjects. One of the crowd, as he enters in, speaks up and remarks on all the pomp. He says, look at all that. Now look at what he says in verse 6. We don't know who he is, but this is what the man yells out. Who is this coming out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the merchant's fragrant powers? Who is this? Now what we see here is a picture of the world welcoming its own and praising in Solomon the things it most admired. Have you noticed that the world praises its own? Hello, church. Have you noticed the last thing it does is praise those that are not of the world? Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. What we have here is a picture of the world admiring and praising one of its own. And sometimes it'll be a real shock to you. It was a shock to me in my young Christian life when I took a stand for Jesus at my college, University of North Texas. I'll go ahead and say it. When I took a strong stand for the Lord, it was amazing to me and shocking to me how viciously they came against me in classrooms with totally carnal, worldly professors, how they attacked me and would ostracize me. It amazed me because the world embraces its own. The world covers for its own. The world loves its own. But if you are in the world, but not of the world as a believer, the world will not love you. So don't let it break your heart. Just say goodbye and hang on to the shepherd. 
As this crowd is cheering for Solomon, there is no thought of the shepherd and no thought of the Shulamite. We might say that there's no thought of Christ and his church in this world's mind. Now, I don't know if you notice these things like I do, but I'm keenly aware of it. A polarization has happened in America, a great dividing of the way. If you are walking with Christ and you love the shepherd, you soon realize that those over here in the world, lost, unsaved, do not think of him and do not think of you. The Word of God warns us about such a world. Look what John said. He said, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father isn't even in him. If you're in love with this current world, the love of the Father is not dwelling in you. If the love of the Father is dwelling in you, you cannot amen this world. Look what John goes on to say. All that is in the world, then he lists them. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father. Did you catch that? Lust of eyes, lust of flesh, pride of life, those things don't come from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of change. But every good gift and every perfect gift is what comes down from the Father of lights, James said. So when you see lust of flesh, lust of eyes, boastful pride of life, you need to know that that's not proceeding from the Father who sent the Son. When John speaks of the world, he's not referring to God's creation. And I want to be clear about this for maybe some of you that are new to the faith. When he says the world, he's not talking about the beautiful creation. I love the creation that God made. I'm a marvel at it all the time. I mean, it just, I love what God made. I love all the creatures and everything. It's so stupendous, so awesome. That's not what John's saying when he says, if you love the world. He's talking about an evil system to human life and society as it is organized and propagated without acknowledging God. See, the Bible says that Satan is the prince of this world. And this world is structured around flesh, around satanic activity, around a worldview that does not accept or receive or love God. That's why when you get saved and fall in love with God, that world system spews you out. It is the devil's lair, the world John's talking about. It's the devil's lair for sinners, and it's the devil's lure for saints. This world, it sparkles, it glitters, it glistens, it calls, it seduces, it summons, it beckons. Leave the shepherd and come to me. And if you love that world system that is surrounded around the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, and satanic activity that rejects God and doesn't even acknowledge God, you can't be in love with the Father. So as Solomon enters the city, we see the world cheering its own. Oh, look at him. All that pomp, all of that impressive display. We see the lust of the eyes of the flesh and the pride of life, all rejoicing in Solomon's worldly magnificence. In this hour of talk, we see an outward show 
and we see an inward sham. And I promise you, church, the world is a show and the world is a sham. If you think something is there that you can get anything out of, you're deceived. Nothing this world has to offer. I mean, the world system, the evil world system, nothing that it has to offer is worth getting. It's a sham. It's a fraud. It is the great pretender. What it offers always melts in your hand and like hot sand sifting through your fingers. You thought you saw water, but it was only a mirage. Now you're in the hot desert and you're dying. Ask the prodigal son if there's anything in the world. He learned quick. He ended up eating pig's food in a pigsty, saying to himself, what was I thinking when I left the father's house? This is the prison to which the Shulamite had been taken, this show and this sham. But she resisted it, and so should we. We're in this world, listen to this, I love this, we're in this world not to be a betters of its system, but ambassadors to its conscience. That's what we're called to do. Not to be of it, but in it, speaking truth to it in the love of God. Next, a second member of the adoring crowd speaks up and points out Solomon's power. And here's what they say in verse 7. Look, it's Solomon's bed. That means his carriage. Surrounded by 60 heroic men, the best of Israel's soldiers, we hear in that verse, power is on display. You know, the Word of God never ceases to amaze me with its accuracy in dealing with real-life struggles that we all face in our walk with the Lord. I hope you enjoyed today's message on the lure of the world and how we can resist it to stay true to our shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, An Hour of Talk. And now don't go anywhere. Our announcer has some exciting offers for you, our Life Talk listeners. And until next time, may God's rich blessings be yours. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand, today's broadcast, or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. And you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. 
Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. An Hour of Talk is the fifth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping. By logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.